I'm here today with uh, John Baxter, the photographer who won uh, the Best Image Award in Sun 2007. It'd be nice to know how that shot came about and how you actually got to, to working with it, because I'm right in thinking that this is a shot which came, came out from a series of books that you were working on. That's correct, yes, yes. So you were working on uh, a book or several series of books? Um, well, what happened was that in 2002, um, we, I was commissioned to do some photography by a company called New Holland Publishers um, on, a, on a book called Men and Sheds. And was that the first sort of um, book publishing venture you got into? No, it wasn't, no. Um, How did that start then? Well, uh, I met a writer called Gordon Thorburn, who, who moved to Cumbria and, and lived quite near me for a while. And I got to know Gordon. He was a freelance uh, journalist, so he was coming up with concepts for, for features and pieces in magazines and trying to sell them on a freelance basis. And he used to ask me to do um, the photography. But you decided to collaborate on a particular book? We did, that's correct, yeah. We, what, what was that book? Um, well, we both decided that we would like to do a book, um, and it was about the gypsies at Appleby, because Appleby has got um, a famous horse there. So you're actually based in Appleby, aren't I am, you? I am based and live in Appleby, yeah. That's Cumbria, that's so, <laughs> so north of the Lake District. Um, yeah, it's it's nearer the Pennine side, nearer sort of, nearest the Yorkshire Dales than the Central Lakes, if you like. So is, is that where you were born and brought up, or did you move there? No, my, my father had a farm there. He moved over from the northeast. And did you come to photography through, through a personal path, or, or did you sort of train as a photographer? I went to college in Kent, Medway College of Design, and did a two-year HMD there. That's that's quite a long way away. Yeah, is that because you were living down there, or no, or no, I just fanci- I just fancied, yeah, yeah, a bit of a change, yeah. So that's why that's how I ended up down there, and um, yeah, did a little bit of assisting while I was at college in London. So I came back to Cumbria um, in about nineteen eighty eight, nineteen eighty nine. And so anyway, uh, living yeah. and working in Cumbria, team up with Gordon. And, and you produced a book on the, uh, on the Appleby Horse Fair. We did, that's right, yeah. It was called The Appleby Rye, and at that time, I think, a lot of the photography that came out of the Horse Fair was very nostalgic. Type. People had a stereotype idea of gypsies or, or Romanies, as we refer to them in the book, but just very nostalgia-based image of what the gypsy way of life was, which would be, for instance, people around a campfire with, you know cooking their dinner and that sort of thing. It was just very, very stereotyped. And what we wanted to do was just to do a more up-to-date version of that image. And so we did a book based on um, probably, I think we photographed it maybe over two horse fairs before we actually got enough to put the book together. So will people have seen this book in the shops and will they have come across it? It's very unlikely because it was sold primarily we were targeting people who came to the horse fair during that 10 days or that week. Um, the visit to the tourists, really. It was almost like a travel book for that we were hoping they would buy it and take it away. Yeah, it okay. wasn't mass-released. It didn't go into Waterstones or anything like that. <laughs> no, that sounds like a shame. You know, that sounds like it might have future possibilities. Uh, well, yeah, it would be nice to think so. It was a self-published book, so as usual, you know, the, the financial element of it was sort of all important, really. Mm. Um, but we were confident that we had a market to sell it, you know, and that was the thing 
that sort of made us go ahead with it. Well, that sort of then had the effect of launching you into um, the whole area of, of book photography. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. How did that lead on, on to the series of images that we're looking at? I mean, Gordon and me worked on a couple of other books after the Appleby Rye. And then, um, because Gordon was freelancing and had um, lived in London for quite a while, I think, um, he was asked to write... Uh, New Holland Publishers had the idea of this book about sheds. Uh, they wanted to produce a gift book about basically what, what different sort of things that guys would do in their typical garden shed. And Gordon was asked to write it. I was asked to photograph it as the northern photographer in the book, if you like, and they got um, Laura Forrester from the south to do all the southern people in the book, all the southern subjects. So how long did the two of you actually have to photograph? Uh, it was pretty. It was a pretty t tight sort of, I think we finished it a sort of over a six-week period, six to eight-week period. I think with uh, 21 portraits we each did, so there's 42 portraits altogether. So what was the shooting regime on that? Did, was uh, it's about three, four a week. Was, yeah. was it like that, four a week something, or for four a day? Or Well, what happened was um, we were just sort of pushed to get on with it by the publishers, really, so as many as you could do. We more or less had to set aside you know, that, that, that period of time to work primarily on the book because it had to be finished. The photography had to be finished, I think, by the middle of March or something to give them enough time you know, to do their side of things and to market it for the Christmas market, which is what it was definitely aimed as a Christmas gift book. So it, they'd, they'd planned it all in advance, yeah. And, that, I mean, there were two photographers working in two halves of the country yeah. in one book. Uh, I mean, the, did you both have your individual styles, which was sort of a book half and half, or, or, or was there something which brought all the images mm -hmm. together? Well, we, we both had to... We, we both were using the same film, which was the Agfa Scala, the black and white transparency film from Agfa, which unfortunately isn't with us any longer. Um, and we weren't asked to do this, but it turned out that we both were using Mamiya RBs, and we both decided in our mind that we were going to do it with standard lenses. So just to make... The idea of it was to sort of give you know, a documentary sort of sense to the to the photography rather than, you know, any crazy angles or over-direction over or anything. We were trying to make it look... The sense... We wanted a sense of reality to it, I guess, which we thought was important to the book. But we came to that decision. Strangely, we came to that decision independently of each other. But we both... And I didn't know Laura at all before it started. It was just one of those lucky things, I think. Did you actually meet or talk during the course? No, of... no, no. Not so... till the, the book had finished, and Laura found me up. So it was all a very happy coincidence. Well, it was. It, it was very lucky. Yeah, very lucky from the publisher's point of view. I think. Or, or maybe that's the photographer's sensibility, yeah. which which comes through regardless. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd like to think so. Yes, but. Uh... So the men in sheds books now. We were talking earlier, and you said they became incredibly popular. Yeah, the, the first one was actually called Men in Sheds. was a, designed as a Christmas book, so it was very much marketed for the Christmas of 2002, I think it was, actually. They put aside a lot of time for marketing it to try and get it in the right position with the right exposure for when it came out 
when it was released, which would be October 2002. And it turned into a very good promotional vehicle it did, yeah. for you it and did. the other photographer as well. It did, it did. Uh, in what way? Well, right at the end of the project, when we were finishing our photography, publishing editor came to us and, and said to us that if we had a shed ourselves, could we get them a photograph of ourselves in the shed, get somebody to write a piece, a little bit about us as photographers. So each of us had a page at the back of the book, well, a double page, really, at the back of the book. The book sold, eventually sold, I think it was 120,000 copies. Obviously, that was you know, 120,000 copies with our photograph in and a bit of information about us as photographers. That people could find you, yeah, Well, they, even if the phone number wasn't in Yeah, there. I think so, yeah. That was the publicity side for us, which worked very well, yeah. Yeah. So that was sort of like half your payment from publishers, wasn't it? I think more than half, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way these things work out sometimes. Not always, but... Yeah, yeah, it's nice when it works. happens. It, yeah. it is. I mean, the, the initial print run was only 6,000. 6,000, actually, for a book is quite good. I think a lot of publishers would be happy with selling 6,000, but 120,000 is, you know, it's... It's, it's big, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is quite big for a, for a non-fiction book by people who aren't you know, either celebrities or famous writers, you know, that's quite a lot of, of sales for a book. Yeah. And the sort of exposure it got, I mean, it, it went into where? It, well, it, it started off with five pages in the Times magazine um, with a double-page spread, first of, of one of my pictures on it, so it had two pages, one picture over two pages. And then various things, it went into FHM, I think it went into GQ magazine, as well as, you know, things like Saga magazine and I think even the Women's Institute magazine had had something in it. Um, but what happened was then it got picked for review on a, a Radio 4 book review programme. And one of the people who was reviewing it happened to be the head book buyer at Foils, um, who loved it and put it into his Christmas top ten. And I believe it was it sold, it was the third bestseller. There was a lot of celebrity type books that didn't do as well in that period as the book did. I mean, it certainly taught me a lesson in marketing, you know, and how it is worth, you know, getting everything organised mm. um, in advance, you know, and how that can pay dividends for you, I think. Yeah. Um, well, maybe we should look at a, a couple of pictures from it. Sure, yeah. yeah. This one, this first, this is the original Shed book here, and this is typical. The way we would be briefed would be we'd be sent through the name and address and telephone number of the person that, that New Holland wanted to be photographed and a sort of a two-line description of why they wanted them to be in the book, what was unusual about them. And this was one of the most, not one of the most unusual, but quite quirky, the Bishop of Burnley. Bishop of Burnley, in his shed? In his shed. Is he, is he Bishop of his shed? I assume he's Bishop of something a bit larger than his well, shed. Well, the story <laughs> was that he didn't have, although he had... Um, he had a house with his position. He'd been given a house, but he hadn't been given a place of worship. He didn't have anywhere to conduct services. Right, okay. It, it sounds, sounds unbelievable odd, but... <laughs> and odd, yeah. So I'm assuming what he did was he used, there was some sort of situation where he would use a church from somebody else's parish. I don't know. I would imagine that's how it happened. But what he did was he used his garden shed to hold services for... I think was was more likely to be his inner sanctum of friends and parishioners. 
this is the picture of him in his shed and I think he told me he could he could fit 15 to 20 people in there. It's a little bit unbelievable actually but what you do find with a lot of the characters that we photographed were that they would sort of take an idea and push it a little bit further than most normal people would you know. Um, and the other one was um, this guy made plastic moulds in his shed. Just just feet? Because he's, no, he's, he's holding plastic moulds of feet here. Yeah, no, there's all sorts of things. I mean, um, I think he had some... He had a Einstein, I think. He had a various moulds of Einstein. They were all very quirky, fun <laughs> things that he used to sell them to schools, I think. Quite often the story behind it all is really sort of... a bit sort of vague and muddled. And right. Um, but, yeah, they were moulds, and he made the moulds in his shed, and... This, there's a machine in the back there that he, he presses out the moulds on. And he, made, he used to make jelly and cakes and all that sort of thing, I think. So in the book, that there is actually text that goes along with there images is, and, yeah. and description. I mean, were you happy with the reproduction, actually, in the book? By and large, yeah. I mean, I think there's been probably about 12 or 13 reprints of that now. And every book seems to change a little bit. I think maybe they struggled a little bit sometimes with Scarlet. It works really well with some pictures tonally, and some of them are a little bit contrasting, I think. But it's on quite a nice paper, isn't yeah. it? It's quite a nice matte and sort of medium book weight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I think. Yeah, I was happy with it. And how many of these black and white books were there? There was five altogether. So you got men and sheds, men and collections, men yeah, and models. Men and models. And then the shed were, book. Well, and then there was, in between all that, there was a, lot, a one about allotments, which was called, which was the same sort of theme. It was about people who grow strange things on their allotment plots. Right. So you've got another picture here, which is, it looks like a treehouse. Sure. There's a chap standing on a, on a rope bridge. Yeah. Is it a rope bridge? It is a rope bridge, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's built an, an, an amazingly intricate tree house. I think the cost might have been around £20,000 right. to get that done. Um, and the guy's an architect, and he actually, it was actually for his grandchildren to play it. So how long in, in total were, were you working on, on this series? I mean, did, did, they, did you know you were working on a series, or did they just sort of pop up every now and then and commission you? Um, no, we didn't know at, at the start it was going to be a series um, we got after the sheds, which was sort of came out in two thousand Christmas two thousand two, so everybody knew that it was sort of a success. We then got to work on what they then started getting us to do was to work on two books concurrently. So we would work on these two here, say men and models and men and collections. It would be the same thing. All the books were geared for the Christmas market. So, you know, for six or 12 weeks maybe at the start of the year, we would be working on photography. If New Holland wanted photography, which they did for probably five or six years maybe, you know, that would be the time of the year when we would be shooting for them really. So would you be doing other jobs at the same time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always had um, work that I was doing you know, with local clients in Cumbria yeah. and, and magazine, magazine commissions as well. So. And... So all these images are in black and white, but then we move on yeah. and the series starts to become in colour, does it? It does, yeah. yeah. And, and is this with the same publishers? It is, yeah. So we did. We completed the five books in black and white, which was basically the series that started with the Shed book. 
Um, and then we moved on. It looks like we're getting more men in sheds here. Was it called more men in sheds? Or was it called something else? No, it was called, this one was called No Place Like Home. The theme was a similar theme in that um, it was people basically who'd lived in rather strange houses or, or had um, uh, incorporated various features into the houses that they had or designed you know, various things that they wanted in their own houses. But the theme sort of is the same. It, it's sort of people who follow their own vision regardless of um, the obstacles that are in their way, I suppose. Yeah. So this one looks like a... A signal box, it a is. railway signal box, and this one is is a train carriage with a with a, an extra roof over the top. That's right. That, this is actually a, a circus entertainment carriage. I don't think it's. I think it's probably before the modern train carriages came along. It was one of the ones that they used to live in when they were at the location. So did you get to have a cup of tea with these people? And yeah, life stories. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're very proud of I mean, the, the the one thing that that was really a joy to do was that the people were really proud of what they had, you know. And and as a photographer, that's fantastic. I mean, if they want, they're wanting to show off what they've got, you know. Whereas you don't, you don't actually really have to work that hard, you know, to get them to be in a photograph. They're they're you know, this is what I've got, this is what I've done. Very proud of every aspect of it. The the railway, the signal box, I only had five minutes to do that picture. Mm. But this guy here was sort of as long as I wanted. And that was the, that was the way it tended to be, depending on, on people's work commitments. So when, you, when you've actually got a short period to work in, I mean, how do you find that in terms of getting the shot that you want? Well, with this one, what he said to me was, I will be there at, say, 1pm. Um, and what I did was I, I would arrive half an hour before that, just so that I knew what I was going to be photographing. When you've got that little time, you know, a lot of it really is, is down to look. You know, I'd, I'd worked out the shot I was going to do, which is actually a quite, it's a straight-on shot. It's quite a simple shot. Um, but... In that shot, you know, the the weather was just perfect, really, for just to bring out all the greenery and the, you know, the shape of the building comes out quite well in it as well. It's quite an architectural shot, which happens to have a person in it. It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose with shots like that, which were of people's unusual houses, then, you know, it was important that we, we showed, you know, you show the whole structure, if you like. And especially with that, which was a very long, very high, long, um, narrow building. So shooting that, I mean, how many shots would you actually take in in those circumstances where you, you're shooting, you know, very quickly? Yeah. I mean, is it one shot? Is it is it is it is it simply bracketed, or uh, you know, were there a couple of other angles that there, you shot in there? I'd, I'd shot one other angle, which was actually the angle that they used in the book. And when you had more time, like the. Uh, uh, the gypsy yeah. or the circus caravan, I should say. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it works against you, you know. I mean, if, if you've got too much, too much time, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're presented with something like that, you could sort of work on it all day, you know. I mean, mm. you could, and, and with this one, I did do quite a bit of stuff inside with him as well, and because the inside of, of this, this trailer here was very interesting, the way I had it decorated. So were you still working on film at this point? Or yeah, it was still digital. No, this was still film. Yeah, right. And um, but we were, 
limited to using two rolls of 120 per person. So we weren't, we didn't have license to just keep taking photographs. We had to think quite clearly about Of course, about, they could have limited you to two rolls for the book. Yeah, yeah, they could have done that. <laughs> that would have been really one yeah, shot per discipline. person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this this winning image that was the, the winner in of Sun 2007. This is in the same series as the last two? It is, yeah. There's a lot going on in this shot. I mean, there seems to be a, an awful, awfully big backstory in there. I don't know whether there is or not, but, I mean, you've got topiary, you've got a shed, you've got the corner of a, a static caravan, yeah. and, and this, then this very typical English afternoon tea, you know, idyllic scenario. I mean, it looks like you actually designed the set quite frankly. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> the synopsis we would get would be just that there was a guy, there was a couple with a static um, caravan on a caravan park who lived there for six months of the year and he grew topiary and that would be the brief that we would get. I mean, the joy of it all is when you turn up and you see somebody who's done something like this, you know, which was just all sorts of everything. I mean, there's peacocks, there's Mickey Mouse, there's a swan, there's an elephant, I mean, which is sort of hidden behind the, the, the pieces in the foreground. Um, so it's, you know, as a photographer, what you're looking, I guess, to do is to bring across the fact that, you know, the topiary is it primarily in a caravan, you know, in a caravan park. And um, try and tell as good a story as you can, I suppose, with the, with the image. But it, it's such a surreal scene. It is. <laughs> of the 20 shots that I had, this frame was right at the end of that session. So I'd done various things with the, him sort of shaping a piece and, and various things with clippers and that sort of thing, which weren't, but no, didn't really feel at all satisfied that I'd done justice to what he had there. And was just walking around looking for another angle. And just saw the angle with the light right and we quickly arranged for them just to bring the table into the middle of the, the lawn by the caravan and get some teacups out and it was all done very quickly really within five minutes maybe start to finish I would think informed inspiration yeah maybe you, know, you, you, you've soaked up the atmosphere could be there, yeah and it's just all come to fruition could at be. the end just all the little touches just come into play for instance I mean it looks to me as if you hadn't had these very colourful flowers in the foreground, then it's a much flatter picture. Yeah, I think things like that are just... Um, instinctive. Instinctive, yeah. Yeah, I was really pleased with it. And, I, and when I took it, I knew that it was a good photograph. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming down today, John. I wish you sort of like great success with more books and hopefully more success in some in years to come. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah.